Welcome to It Is Better To Know Podcast with Anne, Cecilia, and Valerie, a podcast where we break down the most complicated health topics and make them easier for you to understand. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us for another episode of It Is Better to Know with Anne and Valerie and Cecilia. Welcome, everybody. Well, ladies, let's get down to business. We actually have a request from one of our listeners, Tammy. Shout out to Tammy, who's requested for us to do an episode on whether vitamin C actually helps boost your immune system. Tammy actually also asked about echinacea, which is another great question, but that deserves an episode all on its own. Thanks, Tammy, for sending us this question. If any of our listeners have a particular topic that you would like us to discuss, please make sure to give us five stars wherever you listen to our podcast and leave a comment with future topic ideas. We will do our due diligence to research your requested topic and give you a shout out on our future episodes. Vitamin C and immunity, hey? Well, that is a very popular question I often get asked during the winter season here in Canada. By the way, it's summer in Australia right now. I'm super jealous. So just out of curiosity, do you guys know why winter is known as the cold and flu season instead of summer? Well, I had to look this up myself in the past. There was an article I remember reading that suggests since the weather is much colder, more people spend more time indoors together. And because you're in close proximity to other people, that just means a higher chance of passing on germs. Yeah, I read something similar. And also that influenza virus stays airborne longer when the air is colder and less humid. I think that's pretty much the two biggest reasons. And before we can address Tammy's question, I need to give a quick review of how the immune system works. The human body has three barriers to infection. Do you ladies know what they are? Well, let's start with the obvious one, the skin. And would the two other barriers be the airways and the mucous membranes? Wow, you ladies are so smart. So once the virus gets past these three barriers, the skin, the airways, and the mucous membranes, the immune system is triggered to start making and sending out white blood cells to fight off the enemies. White blood cells are constantly flowing through your bloodstream, searching for viruses, bacteria, or other foreign invaders. And it usually takes a few days to really start clearing away a virus but it would take a couple of weeks for your body to produce antibodies, aka fighting force, which will help your body fight against future attacks from the same virus. If your immune system is designed to protect your body from infection, then the next logical question most people would ask is, if you were to boost up your immune system, wouldn't that mean you rarely get sick? Mm, Not necessarily, because when you are sick, the symptoms you have are a sign that your body is fighting back against the enemies, not a sign that you have an infection. Well, I think what Anne is trying to say, well, correct me if I'm wrong, is that when you or I catch a cold and we get these symptoms like fever, runny nose, or your nose is all stuffed up, etc., and then we think, because I'm having all of these symptoms, it probably means that my immune system is not working. And then we would go and seek out ways to boost our immune system to not get sick again. Yes, exactly. But then most people have actually been thinking about this the wrong way. 
it's really a good thing that you're showing all of these cold and flu symptoms. And it doesn't mean that you need to boost your immune system. Because when you have these symptoms, every single one of them is showing you that that's your immune system at work. Yeah, that's correct. Most of the symptoms aren't caused by the virus, but by your own body, purposely bringing about this symptom as it tries to kill off the enemies. For example, fever helps to make your body into a very hot environment, which makes it harder for the virus to survive and replicate. Your body aches and tiredness and generally feeling unwell are byproducts of inflammatory chemicals traveling through your veins, telling immune cells what to do and where to go. It also helps signal to your brain that it's time to slow down and let your body recover. And the mucus, it helps to flush out the pathogens. Ah, so if I'm hearing you correctly, the symptoms of cold and flu are actually your body's way of trying to get rid of the enemies. Having fever, body aches, runny nose, and phlegm, amongst other symptoms, means that you have a good and healthy immune system. So, again, we need to explain, will boosting it with various immune-boosting concoctions on the market have any benefit? Well, simply put, you just need a balanced immune system. You don't want to have your immune system turn up tenfold. Boosting your immune system will make the responses stronger, which probably means giving you more symptoms. Okay, so in other words, instead of a J-Lo glow, you might end up continuously having to wipe snot off your nose. (laughs) I don't think you want this. I don't want that. So I hope, you know, it makes sense why you don't want your immune system to be so powerful that it overreacts. Otherwise, you'll get a similar concept to allergies. Hey, Anne, Valerie, that might be an idea for a future podcast topic too, right? Allergies? Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, I digress. So to expand on the concept of allergies, let's take pollen, which is a foreign substance that's not typically harmful to your body. When pollen enters an allergic person's nasal passage or their eyes, the body recognizes this harmless substance as an enemy, and it causes an overblown, exaggerated immune response. And this triggers their runny nose, sneezing, itchy, and watery eyes. Yeah, the idea is to have a balanced immune system, like anything in life. Too much of anything is not necessarily a good thing. Too much of an immune system is just as bad as too little. Hey, Anne, I have to say, I think there's an exception to the too much of anything is not necessarily a good thing. What would I think that be? You can, well, you can never have enough money, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. This subject makes me so happy and so stressed at the same time. Oh, no. Remember that song, Mo Money, Mo Problems? That's where you have to pay your accountant and get a good financial planner, maybe. Then, more money, less problems. Anyway, the saying, an apple a day can keep the doctor away. Doesn't that mean we need to have vitamins to help our immune system fight off illness? Well, there's some truth behind that, because a lack of vitamins can make you more prone to getting sick. In those cases, vitamins and supplements can help fill in the gaps in your diet. But in healthy people who are eating a balanced diet already, You don't need extra vitamins and supplements. And actually, in addition, the FDA, which is the Food and Drug Administration, they don't evaluate the quality of supplements and natural products. As long as it's um, considered safe to consume, it's allowed to be in the market. So a lot of times, it's often questionable how much your body is actually absorbing when you're taking these supplements. And not to mention some supplements can be harmful and can cause problems for certain medical conditions, 
Most have not been tested in children, pregnant women, immunocompromised patients, or other groups. Hmm. But let's go back to Tammy's question about vitamin C, which is also known as ascorbic acid or ascorbate. When Linus Pauling, the two-time Nobel Prize winner, started taking vitamin C supplements after studying this antioxidant vitamin, he took eighteen thousand milligrams per day. Can you imagine? Wow. Vitamin C. 18,000 milligrams per day we're talking about here. And vitamin C now has a reputation for fighting off colds and flu, one of its claims to fame as a health benefit. Nowadays, if you head to a pharmacy around flu season, most patrons are likely there to get some vitamin C. This is also common after they've caught a cold to help boost the immune system to prevent or to stop them from getting colds in the future. Vitamin C is the number one requested over-the-counter medication for the prevention and treatment of the common cold. Wow, interesting facts, Valerie. Thanks for that. But just out of curiosity, what is Linus Pauling known for? Linus Pauling has such a long list of accomplishments. His background spans through chemistry, biochemistry, and chemical engineering. A scientist of many trades, he made several revolutionary discoveries, which led to applications in medicine, chemistry, and deep sea advent. Endeavors, so you can imagine how influential he must have been. I wonder how many people followed suit on his high dose of vitamin C. Well, yeah, now I'm wondering too. I mean, I understand that vitamin C is a essential nutrient, meaning that your body does not make this nutrient, and your body also doesn't store it. You must obtain it from outside sources. Vitamin C is involved with the repair of tissue, and as noted, it's also important for immune system function. And most famously, it's known for its antioxidant effects. But talking about 200 times the recommended daily dose, like that's crazy.、Um, that's super high. Yeah, that's some good math you did there just now.、Thank、so <laughs> we know that when taking vitamin C orally、uh, at normal levels, up to 180 milligrams daily, whether through food or supplementation, your body can absorb 70 to 90 percent of vitamin C. Less than fifty percent of vitamin C is absorbed when taking amounts greater than one thousand milligram. So, in a way, even at mega doses, vitamin C is not toxic. Your body would just pee it out it, since it cannot store it. So, I tell people that when your pee is bright orange, it means you have too much vitamin C, and you're probably peeing out money. I feel like I'm sensing. I know we're talking about vitamin C, but I'm sensing a theme of money coming back again and again in these conversations. And when you're telling me I'm peeing out my money, we got a problem here. I gotta really <laughs> take your words seriously, right? <laughs> so, how does vitamin C help with immune function? So, what we do know is that white blood cells produce free radicals when they are killing bacteria, viruses, and other foreign invaders. Free radicals are highly unstable molecules that can damage healthy cells. Antioxidants like vitamin C neutralize free radicals. At the start of colds, it is thought that vitamin C levels in certain white blood cells decrease. Hence, this may explain why the thought of boosting vitamin C intake might be beneficial. Well, as Cecilia said earlier, although some animals can make their own vitamin C, humans cannot and must get it from food and other sources like supplements. Sure, in the 15th and 18th century, vitamin C was used for preventing and treating scurvy and saved millions of sailors and pirates. But nowadays, most people in the developed world get enough from their diets already. 
I really have to ask, and I'm I'm sorry, this is going to be a little bit off topic, but what do you do with the scurvy pirate? What? <laughs> you make him walk the plank. <laughs> uh, I can't believe how anyone would want to have anyone walk the plank just because they have scurvy. That's just cruel. Yeah, for our listeners, if you know what that was in reference to, um, kudos to you. But I have another lame joke to help prevent scurvy. Actually, nowadays, pirates can just take vitamin C. C as in S E A. I love that. Thank you. You might be the only one, but <laughs> I thought you meant C as in Cecilia. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, so cute. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yes, I would love vitamin C every day. Please. Yeah. I, I see your lame jokes have made a return. Yep. <laughs> they oh, sure you have. guys. <laughs> <laughs> but life was different back then. Modern day pirates still exist, but at least scurvy pirates don't exist anymore. <laughs> That's right. So, you and I, and everyone else, we just need to stick to getting the recommended daily intake of vitamin C. Which is, for most adults, is 75 milligrams for women and 90 milligrams for men. So that's very different from what Linus Pauling was taking, which is 18,000. So, but the good thing is, um, you know, vitamin C is actually in so many foods that most people don't really need to take a vitamin C supplement. And if you're wondering what foods can I uh, eat that would have vitamin C in it, it'd be like citrus fruits, like oranges, or even the frozen concentrate, uh, kiwi, papaya, strawberries. And vegetables like broccoli, cauliflower, or kale. Wait, so how many oranges do I need to eat to get the recommended amount of vitamin C per day? That's a good question, Anne. Um, but actually, one medium-sized orange already has about 70 milligrams of vitamin C in it already. So you probably looked at the nutrition label facts for like a standard box or bottle of juice. And they usually already contain 100% or more of your daily vitamin C requirements. But there's plenty of other sources of vitamin C found in everyday food that you're already eating. For the majority of people, just a cup of strawberries, chopped peppers, or broccoli, that already provides enough vitamin C for the day. It's fascinating. So just got to be cognizant that I'm getting at least that one orange, one to two oranges. But yeah, from picking up, if you have a balanced diet, then I, I'm, th I'm thinking I'm probably there already. Like any fighting force, the immune system army needs good, regular nourishment. But like we said earlier, too much of a good thing is not always a good thing. Many experts consider the vitamin C market to be nothing but a hype. Vitamin C is likely safe for most people when taken in recommended doses. Mild side effects include nausea, vomiting, heartburn, stomach cramps, headache. It is not recommended to take more than 2,000 milligrams of vitamin C a day. Keep in mind that high doses of vitamin C can lead to se severe diarrhea and kidney stones. In people who have a kidney stone, do not take vitamin C in amounts greater than those found in multivitamins. Amounts greater than 1,000 milligrams will increase the likelihood of a kidney stone recurrence. And for our male listeners, since you don't know the feeling of giving birth, Passing a kidney stone has been described by female patients as even more painful than giving a natural birth. Wow, that's crazy. That's when an epidural comes in handy. No, that's when a push present comes in handy. Have you guys seen Yummy Mummies on Netflix? This woman, they are asking the hummy, uh, like the hubbies for like a hummer, a one 
$100,000 ring just to give birth? I mean, could you imagine? I don't watch much TV or anything to begin with, but I can tell this is a show I would not willingly watch just from hearing your description alone. I will not comment further. And you really watch a lot of reality TV. You should have mentioned that in our episode two weeks ago when we were talking about hobbies. I think, you know, when you said you don't have a life, I think reality TV probably consumes a lot of it. <laughs> you know, I haven't seen Yummy, what is it called? Yummy Mummies? I mm-hmm. haven't even heard of it. I didn't even realize that was really a term nowadays. I'm, I'm so behind. I thought the term was MILF. But for our listeners, another thing not to Google, especially if you're at work. Oh, gosh. Yes, please don't. <laughs> Wait, M-I-L-F? What does that mean? M-I-L-F. Yes, no, we're not saying Google it. We're not okay. going to say it. Yes. Okay, okay. I'm going to have to Google <laughs> this. Work, work-friendly and family-friendly podcast. Oh, okay. But, but get this. Like, they all get what they ask for. Well, mm. you know how the saying usually goes, happy wife, happy life? I like to think of it instead of as happy spouse, happy house. I think that puts a more positive spin on things. But anyways, moving on. The thing about supplements is that when people load up on vitamin C and other immune booster products, they start to think that they're invincible. And they feel that their immune system is so powerful and they feel empowered to go out and mingle and not take the necessary precautions. So really, that just ends up giving them a false sense of security. It's funny because one study found that men who are sexually aroused have a higher white blood cell count. Don't get your hopes up yet. Masturbation won't help your immune system get boosted, though. There is no evidence it has any protection from infection. Valerie, I thought we just said this was a family-friendly <laughs> I know. I just had to really throw this in because okay. it was just a fascinating fact. Okay. Well, thank well, you thank for you. clarifying, Valerie. You're but welcome. Back to vitamin C. Some researchers show that taking 1,000 to 2,000 milligram of vitamin C does not appear to prevent colds, but might shorten the course of the cold by up to 1.5 days. However, a 2013 review by Cochrane, an organization known for its unbiased research, found that in adults, trials of high doses of vitamin C administered therapeutically starting after the onset of symptoms show no consistent effect on the duration or severity of common cold symptoms. As per natural medicines, vitamin C has been shown to be effective for vitamin C deficiency, likely effective for tyrosinemia, an inherent disorder marked by the body's inability to properly break down amino acid tyrosine, and possibly effective for common cold. Actually, while we're on that subject, thank you, Anne, vitamin C supplements are possibly effective for many other medical uses. So for like eye diseases, such as age-related macular degeneration, irregular heartbeat, emptying the colon before a colonoscopy, preventing limb pain after an injury, for airway infections caused by exercise such as a marathon or army training, neither of which I will do, for swelling or inflammation of the stomach, for hemolytic anemia, which is, for our listeners, um, a simplistic explanation would be a condition in which red blood cells are broken down faster than they are made, and also for possibly effective for high cholesterol, high blood pressure, because it helps decrease the top number in a blood pressure reading, and also um, for lowering the risk of gout, lowering levels of lead and lead poisoning, helping medications like nitroglycerin work longer, preventing cartilage loss and worsening of symptoms in people with osteoarthritis, 
reducing pain after surgery, preventing sunburn and skin redness when taking vitamin E before sun exposure. And last but not least, and this is a special note for Anne, vitamin C can actually help improve the appearance of and reduce wrinkles. Ooh, I'm on top of that last one. Well, I actually don't think I see that many neck wrinkles on you, Anne. Oh, yeah, I think I it's do. because she's been she's been working on holding her phone up high. <laughs> oh, whatever it takes, ladies. Whatever it whatever takes. it takes. Hey, oh gosh, I don't even want to talk about this subject. I it's like it's haunting me. Oh no, um, <laughs> I don't want to have to think about neck wrinkles. <laughs> I actually just started holding up my phone even higher now. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm sorry, okay. guys. All right. Let's not think about this because remember, age is just a number. That's right. We got to feel young inside. That's what counts. Yes. <laughs> so, just a reminder that the different medical uses that Cecilia mentioned are possibly effective. The studies done in these cases may be inconclusive, not high quality, or have conflicting results. You should not take vitamin C for those indications without consulting a physician or pharmacist, except for maybe the skin products with vitamin C. Hey, what about the high-dose vitamin C injections that you hear about once in a while? Is that even safe? Yes, sometimes vitamin C is given through the veins so that higher doses can be delivered directly into the bloodstream. These are always given at infusion centers so that the patients can be monitored. We have to remember that the dangers of giving super high dose of vitamin C is that although mega doses of vitamin C are not toxic, as your body will excrete excess in your pee, what we need to be mindful of is that side effects have been reported. Like you mentioned earlier, Valerie, severe diarrhea and increased risk of kidney stones. There's also risk of gout as well as increased iron absorption and iron overload, uh, especially in individuals with hemochromatosis. Uh, hereditary condition causing excessive irons in the blood. And for some patients' populations, in particular cancer patients, it can interfere with any treatments that you may currently be on. Yes, we advise our listeners to check with their doctors if they are candidates for this because it does not have many medical uses right now. Hey, so what's the hubbub on vitamin C for COVID-19, you ask? Some experts suggest... 200 milligrams of vitamin C daily for COVID-19 prevention and 1,000 to 2,000 milligrams daily for COVID-19 treatment. While those doses are within safe limits, there isn't good data yet to support the effectiveness of vitamin C for the COVID-19 virus. Okay, now after all that is said and done, have you ladies been fairly diligent with your vitamin C intake, you'd say? I think so. I try to get my fruits and vegetables in, but I, I don't think Anne likes vegetables very much. So hmm. what no, about you, I don't even, yeah, yeah, I don't even eat fruit and vegetable. Plus with my working schedule being all over the place, my diet is not always the best as well. I guess I talk the talk, but I don't really walk the walk. <laughs> oh, no. So, so oh, I do take hard. a multi, <laughs> yeah, I do take a multivitamin here and there, but we all know here and it there. is... <laughs> Oh, no, I, I low compliant too. You're not a model patient. I know. And we all know it is probably much better to get the extra fiber found in whole fruits and vegetables anyway. For sure. Well, that's true. And do you want empathy or do you want a solution? Ah, <laughs> solution. We tried to, yeah, we tried to provide solution. And I think you should listen to this podcast 
from the beginning. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Valerie? Well, I try to at le- I try to eat at least two servings of fruits on average per day. Uh, but I just wanted to share some interesting facts that I found with you ladies while searching for uh, researching for today's episode. So, according to the U.S. Food Data Central database, an apple only has four point six milligrams of vitamin C per one hundred grams, and Weirdly enough, or maybe not so weirdly enough, unsweetened, boiled, or microwaved apples only have between 0.2 to 0.4 milligrams. So it's best to eat that apple as is in its raw state. But can you believe this? McDonald's apple dippers actually has a whopping 277 milligrams. So this just, yeah, this is just a crazy high amount. But this just shows you how vitamin C content can vary greatly depending on the cooking and storage conditions. The average weight of an apple, just for your reference as well, depends on the variety or the species, of course. But generally, they are about 70 to 100 grams each. And for our listeners' benefit, to put things into perspective as well, 100 grams visually is half a cup of uncooked rice. And when it's cooked, the weight of the rice increases to 300 grams, and this is equivalent to two servings. Is this white, brown, or basmati rice, Valerie? Oh, okay. Well, you you caught me there. I did not see any specification for this type of rice, so that I'm not so sure about. But um, yeah, if if you're looking, if any of you listeners are looking for a make work project. Why don't you go ahead and depending on what kind of rice you have at home, you can measure it out and uh, leave a comment in one of our podcast avenues and, and let us know. Yeah. So, okay. Let me get this straight. So a female needs 75 milligrams a day. And if one apple only has about 4.6 milligram, to get the daily amount of vitamin C, I have to eat 16 apples? Maybe just stick with the oranges. Yeah, and your multivitamin. Yeah, one serving already surpasses 100% of your your uh, recommended daily intake. That's crazy. But, but if sure the if rice, of to... the white rice, I guess yeah. I do get enough of my daily vitamin C from the rice after all. Hmm. Yeah. From the rice? Yeah, well, yeah, I well. That, that was just... That was just to compare the apples, but, you know, <laughs> yeah, I think stick to the McDonald's apple dippers. But I just want to mention, Anne, if you go to McDonald's, only get the apple dippers. Only Don't, get the apple dippers. Yeah, you know, if you buy like five other meals, then yeah, I think vitamin C intake will be the least of your concern. No. <laughs> <laughs> Might have to enroll you for Weight Watchers or something yeah. like that at that point. Oh, that's another good topic for a future, um, future podcast as well. And sure. I just have to say, Valerie, I, I really enjoyed how you chose rice as the as the comparison. <laughs> I know. I know. Very Again, for Asian. our listeners, I think we are um, uh, showing a little bit of our ethnicity a bit yes. too much here. <laughs> There's a little hints and clues that are dropped here and there often enough that you can probably detect uh, that uh, we're, we're of Asian descent. But um, anyhow... 
anybody can eat rice, though. I mean, I, I love eating foods from all sorts of different cultures. So I mean, it's not like the end all and be all the fact that I'm bringing up rice, but just wanted to just, you know, put things out there just because I thought it was interesting and funny because I didn't really know how to quantify 100 grams um, beyond the average size of an apple. I just kind of wanted to see what are other what uh, what 100 grams is in terms of other quantities that I can measure in my hands. That's why I shared Great. it that way. <laughs> All right. So for our listeners, our final word is vitamin C is not beneficial to your immune system unless you have a vitamin C deficiency. And keep in mind that while vitamin C might help you recover from a cold quicker by maybe one and a half days, it does not prevent you from getting a cold. If you choose to take vitamin C supplements, make sure you don't take more than 2000 milligrams a day and no more than those found in basic multivitamins if you have a history of kidney stones. Yeah, if you're healthy, forget the supplements, except vitamin D, which will be discussed in our future episodes. So, you guys, I have a confession to make. You know how last week we were talking about the two beers and a puppy test? Yeah. Well, and I say that I should change it to two beers and a baby test, and you guys say that you would let me babysit your unborn child? Yeah, I remember that. And actually, for our listeners, if you haven't heard of this test, please go back and listen to last week's episode. We actually put timestamps in the description if you wanted to skip ahead to certain sections for your convenience. Please check it out if you haven't already. Anne, did you change your mind and decide that you wouldn't trust us with your future children? <gasps> Not exactly. Oh, okay. But if honesty is the best policy, then I have to make a confession. I once lost a two years old. <gasps> what? What? How's that possible? Always possible. <laughs> anyway, so a few years ago, right, we had a, a big family gathering. My sister volunteered to go pick up food and she asked me to babysit her two years old son. So I did until my other sister, she couldn't find the remote control and she asked me if I could help her look for it. Then my mom asked me, where's the boy was? And I say, oh, he's probably upstairs. So she went back and talked to my aunt, like nothing happened. Oh, this already doesn't sound good. Oh, it doesn't. Oh. So <laughs> at this point, I started to feel like uneasy. So like any good babysitter would do, right? I decided to stop looking for the remote control and go see if the boy was where he, I thought he was. So I ran upstairs, shouted his name, but he was nowhere to be found. I mean, the child is small, but he's not that small. Where could he be hiding? Oh, so no. I ran. Yeah, so I ran back downstairs. And oh, crap. The front door was open. <gasps> yeah, my sister, like, she must have left it when she left to go pick up food. Um, but, I mean, he wouldn't be outside. Like, no way. He wouldn't just wander off like that. That's... Oh, no. Yeah, but you know what children are like? You look away for them for one second even, and their next moment they've disappeared. Yeah, so anyway, so my husband decided to go out and check on him, right? Just in case. And I resumed my search on the main floor. There were like 20 people in the house. And no one even noticed that Chai had gone missing. Except for me and my hubby, of course. So five minutes passed. My heart was like raising. My palms were like sweating trying to find this child. Wow. Well, going back to our one of our previous podcasts, those actually sound like symptoms of anxiety. Yeah, definitely. I was quite anxious. But 
the good thing is um, my husband came through the front door and he carried the boy in his arms. What a relief you could imagine. Yeah. Anyways, he told us that um, he found the boy a few houses down across the street next to a woman who's probably living in the house. So when he came out there, she thought he was the dad and gave him like the dirtiest look. <laughs> and now <laughs> if looks could kill, this would be it. But it get worse. What? How? I think this is already pretty bad. I know. And then I examined the boy and I noticed like a huge bruise, like a like a big green bruise on his forehead. Oh my goodness. Mm. Well, you can't hide that. I know I couldn't. So my sister came home shortly after that. She immediately noticed the bruise on his forehead and asked me, how in the world did he get the bruise? Like she literally left for like 30 minutes. <laughs> I can't wait to t see what you came up with to tell her. Did you lie or? <laughs> no, I told her, you know, oh, he's probably tripped down the stair. Mind you, this is not a lie, though. I just omit some details. But <laughs> I'm sure, sure the boy sure. probably like, <laughs> I'm sure the boy probably like, like fell down while he trying to ran away from home on like a cement or something. But she thought the bruise was bad. Can you imagine if she knew her child could have been kidnapped? Or worse, get run over by a car while he ran across the street. Oh my goodness. Poor boy with a big bruise on his forehead. Oh. So, yeah. Maybe we won't let you take care of our babies either. No. <laughs> <laughs> but don't worry, we'll still have bubble tea with you. I know. I have to, I'm going to take notes on this, Anne. No puppy and no baby. <laughs> they they might both go missing <laughs> if we give them to you for the weekend. That's scary. But I guess at least, you know, we still think you're fun because we'll still have a bubble tea or maybe a, a finished beer with you. But, you know, what you don't know don't hurt you. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> as far as she knows, her child is in good hands. Minus the forehead bruise, though. I don't know if that counts of, uh, about good hands. Hmm. And also, doesn't your sister listen to your podcast? Or I guess if one of our listeners listens to this and tells your sister, you better get ready to move to a different country and also change your name so she can't track you down. Nah, I don't think she listens to this podcast. But anyway. Oh, she should. No, there's a big life lesson here. Okay. Uh, the lesson is sometimes too much honesty is not always good. That's actually a really good point, though. And your confession got me thinking about another story. Have you guys heard the story about how if you walk down the alley and yell for help, you are more likely to get help versus being in a crowded place where there are tons of people? Oh, yeah. I remember learning about that in my undergrad psychology classes. It's called the bystander effect. People are actually less likely to offer help when other people are present because everyone thinks that someone else is going to do something. But in the end, nobody ends up doing anything. It's scary. Right, 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 right. So if you do need help, make sure you single someone out. It's like what we learned when we first took CPR and first aid courses. You, in the lime green shirt, go! Call 911! I see that your obsession with lime green has not gone away, Valerie. <laughs> <laughs> I love that color too much. Yeah, but for our listeners, what I've learned is don't yell help. Because no one, no one will come. Just remember to yell fire, okay? Fire. Well, that's the end of our segment. Thank you for supporting this podcast. 
Since this is a new podcast, and we really want to expand our listeners, to help us do that, we would love for you to take a moment, head to where you listen to our show, and hit subscribe. Thank you for helping us get the word out. We really appreciate it. We look forward to seeing you back here next Sunday as we explore other health-related topics. Bye for now. Thanks, everybody. See you next time. And stay curious, my beautiful friends. Curious Music is performed by Bonsai Memo, written by Andrew Southwell and Jimmy Harry. The information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast are for general information only and should not be taken as medical advice. As every individual is unique, please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions. You got me free.